0: Katjana, in Malaysia, it's normal for our parents to be caregivers to our children. And in fact, we often catch ourselves saying things like "you're just spoiling the kids or they're becoming brats. Ooh. Why do grandparents not enforce their way of parenting their kids with their grandkids?
1: I think part of it is because it's sort of the out of sight, out of mind that comes with parenting. Right. I mean, anyone who has a child will know that the child behaves completely differently when they're maybe at home and having to do the day-to-day things that they don't enjoy, right? But then when you're seeing strangers or aunts and uncles or teachers at school, you will often have them see sort of a snapshot of what the child is like because you don't see often as much frequency uh, and because it's an environment that is removed from, so grandma and grandpa's house is removed from the place where all the stuff like homework and not the fun stuff, being having to brush your teeth and go to bed early, all the things they don't enjoy are often removed when they're in grandma and grandpa's house they're they, they're seeing it sort of as a not to say an exciting place but a place that's more enjoyable and so the behavior will often replicate that so when grandparents see a snapshot of what the child's life is like they often don't identify with the need to discipline and do all those things like mom and dads do so that's why I feel grandparents would tend to spoil the grandkids even more because they feel there's really no need really to discipline the kids
0: so it's like an escape from rigidity And rules And stuff like this In Mm -hmm. a way
1: Exactly Because you know Ultimately the kids I mean some kids Do live with their Grandparents surely And I do find That some grandparents Have to take on The disciplinary role In Mm. those setups But generally speaking Going to grandma Or grandpa's Is an escape Because you know You have all the treats That you want Because you're not They're not usually As available at home And so moms and dads Will often be the enforcers The bad cops And then grandmas and grandpas will be the good cops. And so that's why I think you see the pattern.
0: Right. Yeah, because it's normally the parents who are shouting and screaming at the kids to get ready so they can drop them off at the grandparents' house. And all the sort of the time pressing appointments are, you know, dealt with Mm. by the parents. But in the greater scheme of things, like what would actually be considered as spoiling the kids when it comes to Mm. the dynamic between grandparents and parents?
1: I mean, I'm all up for having grandparents be the ones that kind of sneak their kids' treats all the time. I mean, my grandma was notorious for all sneaking me a copico candy um, (laughs) whenever my parents said no um but ultimately i'm completely fine with that but i think the part where it becomes dysfunctional is when grandmas and grandpas directly go against rules and regulations or disciplinary actions that moms and dads have set in so for example screen time is a really big conversation thing nowadays when it comes to this because oftentimes Parents nowadays are trying to regulate screen time or or device usage. And when they go to grandmas and grandpas, sometimes just out of convenience because grandparents might be older, they might not be able to play and run around.
0: Exactly, energy-wise and stuff.
1: Yeah, so the devices become a really easy, effective way of keeping the kids happy. And so I've had reports with some parents where, you know, they go to grandmas and grandpas for the day and find out the kids are using their iPads for up to eight hours while they're there. Um, And, you know, they're only allowed 30 minutes at home. So there's a lot of, you know, discourse between what mums and dads are asking for and what grandparents are executing and that creates a lot of confusion with kids.
0: For a child knowing who they can go to to get specific things, how does this impact a child's mental psyche?
1: In terms of mental psyche, I think it's more looking at it from a behavioural perspective, right? Because we are encouraging or we are introducing a concept of inconsistent rules. So if you have one party who is a lot more lenient um, and one party who's trying to be strict, the child will more likely consider the more strict party are, that I don't really have to listen to um, and then head towards the more lenient party or be more inclined to do what the more lenient party wants them to do and so this is where you'll see a lot of behavioral issues and issues with regards to responding to authority figures so whether or not it's going to impact their mental health maybe not so much but definitely from a behavioral perspective parents will be seeing a lot more temper tantrums and a lot more behavioral issues if this is continuing
0: because they're confused
1: because they're confused and not so much well confusion is one part of it but I think it's also the fact that you're creating inconsistency, right? And children need consistency. People need consistency. So if I were to take it into sort of the adult context, see we found out that part of our laws were inconsistent. So for example, if you rob banks on Saturdays, you could keep the money. And if you rob really, money, you can, okay. Yeah. <laughs> example, right? Yeah. So that, so you would see a huge influx of people robbing banks on Saturdays, right? <laughs> um, and that's just human nature. We will often try to find things that benefit us, mm-hmm. right? Right. Mm-hmm. And that's just how our brain works. And so children, if we if they're introduced to this type of environment, especially very early on in life, they would be less likely to conform to rules as they age because they will go, Well, but there's like a loophole at yeah. home. So why mm-hmm. can't there be a loophole at school and at work and so on and so forth? Right. So, um, yeah,
0: the idea of like, you know, survival, right? That's what that Mm -hmm. loophole is kind of supposed to be there for. But in this sort of modern day setting, in your opinion, um, do you think this type of situation creates budding manipulators or budding entrepreneurs? Why?
1: (laughs) I get where you're coming from. It is a really tricky thing. And a lot of parents have used those terms where they call it, oh, my child is very manipulative. But, you know, ultimately, that's probably not even what they're thinking. With children, like I've probably said before, monkey see, monkey do, right? They're not thinking at a higher level, thinking I'm going to be manipulative and cunning and all of that. It's as simple as, I want this particular outcome, um, and the best way for me to do that is to do it this way, and that has been enforced previously, like being sneaky and waiting till you get to grandma and grandpas, or Pitting grandparents against parents I see kids do that all the time You know, telling your grandparents that Mommy and daddy do this at home And then, you know, grandparents kind of fight the battles for them Mm. So I wouldn't go so far as calling it manipulation Because it's not really uh, their goal at the end of the day But it's about getting the outcome that they want So yeah, I mean, if you want to say If you keep allowing it to happen Especially as they approach emotional maturity So we're looking at uh, sort of the upper primary towards high school you might run the risk of encouraging manipulative
0: behavior. In Asian culture, filial party is a norm. So when it comes to having discussion with your parents about raising your child, how do you reach an agreement with the grandparents about raising your child with more discipline?
1: It is a very, very, very difficult conversation to have. I mean, I don't underestimate the challenge of this. I have parents who I am working with literally for this challenge, right? Because you have a very you're in a difficult position where you can't exactly tell the grandparents or Mm -hmm. your parents or your in-laws how you want this done. So what I tell parents to do is to find a middle ground, right? So if for example, grandparents feel that they should not be responsible for disciplining, they don't feel comfortable yelling at the kids or enforcing rules with the kids, then those should be the set of things that they defer to the parents to, right? Because that can also be helpful if you're not willing to do it, at the very least, defer to the parents so the children know that in this particular situation, mom and dad is in charge, right? So I would encourage families to kind of sit down and have a conversation and explain to you know the grandparents why this is important, right? So we are wanting to, for example, regulate his screen time because his speech is not developing, his attention span is not great and the doctors have all told us or whatever. Use that as kind mm-hmm. of an argument and then have them understand why it is important or why you are running these rules and what you would like for them to enforce. Now, if they feel that they don't, they say like, ah, oh, it's no big deal. You know, it's just, it's just an iPad or they don't share the same feelings. Then what you'd want to do is to try to find a compromise Then be like, okay, well then what I'll do is maybe I'll have, you know, like screen time sort of control, like you know, an app, which there's a lot available now where you can kind of remotely control how much screen time your kid's using. And so we'll do that on our end. But if the kids come up to you and complain and say, grandma, grandpa, I want to play some more. Just say, it's your mom and dad. You know, you go and talk to them. Differ. Right, so Mm. it's about finding a middle ground. Some grandparents are really, really uh, happy to accommodate, right? Whatever, whatever the the parents want, and kind of work on a middle ground. But some grandparents are not. So it's about finding a way to have that conversation without insulting anyone. Mm.
0: When you've got grandparents and parents in the mix, and there's a sort of um, discord there, Mm. should we say, Mm. whose say trumps the other?
1: Uh, this is probably going to get me so many, um, you know, hate messages, but it really should be mom and dad, right? Yeah, I agree. Um, It really should be mom and dad, right? I mean, but but again, it also depends on the structure, right? Some kids are living full-time with their grandparents and their parents are working elsewhere, for example. Mm. It should be the people who are responsible for the child's primary care right and so and the reason why is because and it's so sad that this is the image that's in my head it's because these people are the wardens right i mean these are the people who are going to be mm-hmm. um determining sort of your day-to-day kind of structure and so if we are creating this this tone where mom and dad who are at home with you 24 7 what we say is subpar to what grandma and grandpa who live elsewhere you know, what they say, then kids are not going to respond to what mom and dad say. We're looking at respect. We're looking at behavior. So I would say if moms and dads are around and are responsible for the child's care day to day, they should absolutely be the first port of call. Their rules should be the primary area. If we have different family structures where, say, parents are divorced and kids are living with grandparents and things like that, it might be different. But in a standard family setup where mom and dad are taking care of the kids, moms and dads' words should should rule.
0: Katrina, on the flip side, what's the effect on a child's development if both grandparents and parents raising the child um, have the same regimented roles?
1: Mm, we are teaching them about, again, consistency and structure, which are things which are very, very valuable skills moving forward in life, right? It teaches them that there is also this sense of security and safety because everybody in your life is on the same page. Everyone's on a, presenting a united front, which I've mentioned previously is really important when you're parenting and raising children. So there's you know nothing but positivity that comes from everybody being on the same page. Now, it need not be everyone having identical viewpoints, right? But it's about showing the children that everyone is a collective, that there is a group of people who have your best interests at heart, who are parenting you in the same way, rules exist regardless. Um, and so it's teaching kids uh, confidence because they have a sense of assuredness, if that's a word, or a sense of security. Things are cohesive. So that, yes, exactly. So they're not having to worry about things being slightly different. I've had some cases where kids go to grandparents who are extremely strict. And so it develops a lot of anxiety because they don't know whether the rules are going to be the same. They don't know when they're going to be making a mistake when they head to that environment. And so having some, having a consistent, regimented, structured home environment, whether it's in one house with mom and dad or multiple houses with grandparents and aunts and uncles and things like that is a good thing for kids.
0: When is spoiling a child good for our children? How much is like too much? I suppose based on your experience, could you share a story with us to sort of illustrate that?
1: Well, I think, you know, the word spoiling your child, I think if you're thinking about incentivizing or rewarding your child, I feel like in Asian culture we get that very easily mixed up. So even Mm. when I'm talking to parents about incentivizing your child, so for example, giving them tokens for good behavior or giving them tokens for things they've achieved. A lot of parents are going, oh, I'm just bribing my child, I'm just spoiling my child. But that's not really the case. Spoiling your child is when you are giving your child more um, than they are gaining from whatever led up to it, right? So for example, um, I've got cases of kids who um, are so spoiled to the extent where they don't understand the value of money, for example, Mm. right? So um, I had a case where I had a, very young she was probably she was in like form two form three um and she had lost to date for um, Mac laptops, right?
0: Lost, lost. them. Lost, oh my goodness. Lost
1: them, right? I low-key suspect she was selling them so that she could actually get some pocket money. But she would say like, oh, I misplaced it. I left it at school or whatever it is. Um, and no qualms whatsoever. Mums and dads would, mum and dad would buy her a new one. Wow. And so there was wow, no okay. there was yeah. no consequence. There was no understanding. There was no ability for her to learn from her mistakes should she really have lost it. Mm. Um, and it was more just giving her something without getting anything back which was turning it into a learning experience or a teaching experience having there be consequences teaching her about the value of it she didn't understand it because to her it's just the laptop because mom mom and dad buy it all the time so when I had met her she was on her fifth or sixth laptop by that point um and so I think that I am all for incentivizing uh, our kids because we are a species that functions on incentives, but no matter how minute. But when we are giving our children so much stuff because it alleviates our own guilt, say because we're too busy and we're not spending time with them. Or we're neglecting giving, our
0: children, basically. Yeah, and mm-hmm.
1: we're giving them stuff to make up for that guilt. That becomes problematic, right? So I feel that you can reward them. Just make sure that it you know, makes... Sense.
0: What would be the best way for parents and grandparents to raise the children together as a unit?
1: Identify the golden rules, right? Identify what are the things that are super important and non-negotiable for each party, right? Grandparents might have a different set of things which they consider important because we're looking at generational differences, cultural differences maybe. And so they will have things that they consider important and mom and dad will have their own. So those are the things that are non-negotiable that you need to be able to decide. The things that you can kind of compromise on, you might need to, right? But the thing, there has to be things that are non-negotiable that you're not willing to compromise on. That you want your child to learn to learn, and you need to be able to have a conversation about that. Because if you don't, you're going to introduce this conflict where you're going to be doing something behind the other party's back and so that's not going to benefit the child at all so if you have something that means a lot to you that you feel is integral for the child's upbringing you need to enforce it but make sure that everybody involved understands or is at least aware of what it is that you're trying to enforce
0: it's like you get five (laughs) golden rules i also get five golden rules non-negotiable and we only discuss compromise If any of those golden rules Clash with each other Otherwise You get that Or you get three And I get three Do you know what I mean Right 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 So it's like Okay I'll take my three Because like what's important to me You may not see How or why that's important and you don't need to as long as like we honor, that's a golden rule for you. M- mm-hmm. Maybe that would be a way that you could work So on I have it. a really,
1: so one of the examples is like, I actually have like a, a relative who was telling me about this. So she has a she has two children who are now like 13 and, I think 13 and eight, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and growing up, you know, grand grandparents were part of the, maybe not as part of it, but they saw their grandparents very frequently. And so one of the things that um, the mom of these kids felt was she was really against the idea of the kid It's being raised around a lot of negative language, which I think is something that is quite common in Asian culture where grandparents are often commenting about their appearance, saying, why are you so fat now? Or Mm -hmm. things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And so mom was very, very um, aware about the impact of this because I think she kind of had it affect her self-esteem growing up, having these comments. So she was very, very adamant. She never wanted her child to um, have these comments kind of thrown at them. So she sat her parents down and she explained. She was like, look, I'm all for you, like noticing right talk to me right because I really don't like when you say to my child you call my child like saying to the child oh you know you're so jahat you know using so, all
0: lazy these words. Or, yeah. so
1: lazy you know like why are you so fat you know that kind of thing And I think it's just so, in in our culture, we don't think about it, right? I think our parents and our grandparents are just all part of the way Mm -hmm. we were raised. But, you know, she was so determined. It was a golden rule for her. And so it was something she had to address with her parents. It was like, if you have a comment, tell me so that I can adjust and uh, and fix it with the child. But don't throw it at them because they don't have the means to do anything about it.